Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 187. It reminds me of socks stapled shut. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. What a. What a <laughs> Brett's just been doing voiceovers in the other studio. Uh, He's going to be like this for the whole show. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit husky after uh, so much shouting out on the field yesterday at the footy for the Community Cup. Whereas right. I'm, a, I'm a bit mucusy because I'm just ill. So it'll be an interesting soundscape for you tonight. And, and so did, did you win the Community Cup? Got done by a point. <laughs> right. So now the poor people get no money. We're a bit is, that, is that the way it works? <laughs> is that no, how it works? No, the Rock Dogs got it all and they'll be giving it to them. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's all good. Yeah. All right. Apparently we had about 8,000 people down there and a quarter page article in the age today. Oh. It's rather nice. Oh. Famous now. That's what he's saying. They only do it for the I've quarter page article. For a long time. You know who else is famous? Who? Genevieve Lemon. She is. She is famous. She uh, she's won many awards and uh, and has also done some television. <laughs> and she'll be in uh, talking to us about about her career in television in Australia. Uh, that's exciting. She's wonderful. Uh, I'm so excited about that one. We're going to do a review of a show called Eastbound and Down, which yes. uh, will be will be starting on Australian screens August 24, I believe on Showcase. Uh, so this is kind of a preview for you. Uh, August 26th. August 26th. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so we'll be doing that. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have a, a whole bunch of pork. Uh, we'll, we'll have... You know what? I don't think we're going to have the answer to, uh, to last week's quiz, considering that... Uh, well, we'll see, we'll see. We'll see how all that goes. We'll mm. discuss last week's quiz. Mm. It's, it's controversial. It's controversial. I want to say at, at this point, though, Thank you to uh, everyone who has been going onto the boxcutters.net site and leaving donations for us. Uh, You can leave $3 a month, $5 a month, or $10 a month, or a one-off donation, as you see fit. As much as you want. Like a million dollars. $10 million. $10 million. I was happy with a million dollars, but now it's a billion dollars. I know. It's Brett. It goes to you. Now it's out of control. Sold. We're we're 2009. Come on. It's not the 60s anymore. Sold to the man with the blonde hair. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the Box Cutters News. And now for the news. It, it's a shame that nothing, uh, nothing major or important has uh, has happened ha- happened in the uh, in the last week, isn't it, John? No, it's a shame that. Uh, so yeah, because you, you think there might be some sort of controversy in the world somewhere. Uh, I've just had to scrape by with a story about uh, Iran. Um, uh, now this is interesting because, as you probably are aware, the election in Iran has been uh, controversial. Controversial, like this week's quiz, one might say, um, with the re-election of Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. I, I was practicing saying that before, so it's an excuse to use I, it. Then. I think it's Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, now, not hugely a TV story, I think, as Brett was saying, except this is the interesting bit. Um, the BBC, uh, Peter Horrocks, director of the BBC World Service, has accused the Iranian authorities of attempting to block broadcast of the corporation's Persian channel in the Middle East as it reports on the continuing protests. Mm-hmm. This is from the BBC website. Technicians working for the BBC, Horrocks said, had traced heavy electronic jamming from inside Iran of a satellite the corporation uses in the Middle East to broadcast the BBC Persian TV signal. I particularly love this kind of James Bond element of that, that um, the Iranian government is basically bringing down satellites. Uh, the New York mm-hmm. Times 
said also then, uh, this was followed on Friday, when the Ayatollah used his speech at Friday's prayer in Tehran to denounce Britain as the most evil of Iran's enemies. And they think this is actually, again, uh, going back to the BBC. Apparently, the BBC is considered to be uh, the most trustworthy, as a quote I have here, account of, of what's happening news-wise in Iran. Uh, a lot of um, Persians use it to basically try and work out what actually is happening in their country. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been on the radio since the early 1940s in um, in Middle East, but uh, only TV, I think, in the last year or so. But it's thought that basically uh, Iran is trying to bring them down and all to stop reporting. Well, clearly BBC journalists uh, over in Iran are breaking the law because uh, foreign journalists have been banned from well, reporting any of the events that are going on some in of the it, uh, post-election Climates in Iran. Well, some of it, some of them still actually have visas. Apparently, it's, it's actually not. They haven't all been banned. They've been. Sort but they're of, not allowed to report. Well, they've been asked not to go on the streets. Um, and been, I think they've been instructed they've been not threatened to. Threatened off the streets by people who aren't necessarily connected to the government, except they probably are. And uh, but some of them still have. For example, uh, Channel 4's news people were interviewed this week on the media show, which is a um, a great Radio Four. Uh, program you can listen to on, on podcast version mm-hmm. and she was saying basically yeah that they're in their hotel rooms and they're now getting information via mobile phone pictures uh, facebook and twitter which can be picked up in england but not in uh, iran because a lot of that's being blocked as well which then gets sent back to them in a hotel room in tehran so they can then do the report for channel 4 news a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, iranians are actually getting access to twitter through their mobile phones because it hasn't been blocked on the mobile phone networks. Well, oh, okay. until the Iranian authorities listen to box cutters and then they'll go, oh, that, that was a hole. Uh, and also, uh, New York Times, and this is a, an interesting kind of uh, internet, television news uh, and traditional news crossover thing. The New York Times uh, have had some great video where uh, the journalists there, because no Americans were, were uh, shooting video stories about it, uh, actually did produce a story from the roof of his hotel saying, well, we've been kicked off the streets, uh, so this is the most outside I can get to... Uh, t- to report this. Yeah, but, but an awful lot, of, again, like things coming from, from mobile phones. There's a quote here. This is from, uh, oh, this is from American TV Guide. Uh, the ABC News, uh, American ABC News, senior foreign correspondent Jim Scuto was saying, if this happened 10 years ago, you wouldn't have had the video phones, or even five years ago, you wouldn't have had sites like Twitter or YouTube. Um, and basically saying that that's where they're effectively getting all their information from now. So the BBC is fighting back and is claiming that um, yeah, they're being jammed. Yeah, and it, I mean, it, it's fairly uh, transparent uh, political strategy to start talking up the evilness of the British Empire, um, as it were. Uh, but apparently uh, the, the, the youth of Iran, who are predominantly the ones that are uh, voting against Ahmadinejad, uh, seem to be less likely than in the past to actually uh, kind of swallow that. And, and they, they continue to question that. There was one interesting thing, though, just added again on this, this interview I was listening to with, with Channel 4 um, presenter. She was basically saying that it is actually still possible that uh, Minajad actually won. She said uh, millions of people did vote yeah, for him, yeah, actually uh, legally uh, voted for him. And so it's just hard to know with the way that they've they've bizarrely cracked down. and Because gone. it was it was such a massive majority, it, it's all suspicious. And, and mm-hmm. it seems that that wasn't at all possible. But if they had have just gone with the actual figures, with the then... Real vote, then yeah. Yeah. They, they would actually know. Yeah. In, uh, in, in more uh, light-hearted news, that's a bit of editorialising. We don't do that on Box Cutters, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in, uh, in, in a 
bit more lighthearted news. Uh, Channel 9 have announced some plans for their extra digital channel. Finally. Yeah. Uh, and they've, they've done that via the signing of a $500 million deal with Warner Brothers uh, to use some of their content for a younger channel. Well, they've had an ongoing deal with Warner. Since, uh, uh, since 1992, which is also why uh, the first few episodes of Friends appeared on Channel 7 and then suddenly appeared on Channel 9. Uh, that was the time of this, uh-huh. of this deal with Warner. Uh, and, uh, and now they're saying they will have hundreds of thousands of hours of programs that will help them uh, basically create this channel for Populate younger a, people. a separate channel. And so, so I'm guessing it's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of repeats of, uh, of of you know Hardcastle McCormick or <laughs> something like that. But the, the bear. Uh, but they are attacking this younger demographic. The Channel Nine traditionally have not gone after, and it has been Channel Ten's domain for a very long time. And now they're thinking, well, we'll go after that. Uh, I think that's uh, it's, it's going to make for a very interesting landscape, and, and obviously the uh, the amount of money that they've spent, the shareholders aren't necessarily happy about it. But nine are saying it will bring long term gains. Uh, that being said, Channel Nine have had what three different ideas for what they were going to do with their uh, with their extra digital channel it's i'm kind of curious whether channel 9 can go after a younger demographic cuz surely they actually have no experience or, or real knowledge of how to do that well yeah i think i think they're just basing it on things that the wb did uh, you know 7 years ago so they were very successful well yeah that's uh, what what have happened to them anyway what yeah yeah, what what happened to them? So yeah, so I I don't know what what's going to happen. I don't think they uh, they they have that ability either. But it'll be interesting to see if they actually stick with this idea for a channel, or if they're going to go with a logo uh, for five minutes and then start running around like their hair's on fire yeah. again. Yeah, or or as I like to think of it, the commercial radio model for going after a demographic. Yeah. Which is, uh, we're going to go after this demographic. No one's gone after that demographic. We're going to go after that demographic. Oh, hang on a second. They're not actually listening. Oh, well, let's uh, let's do what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Well, that and especially interesting will be that, uh, that new uh, avenue for Channel 9's broadcasting, given that Channel 10 uh, have increased their overall audience by 10.4% in the last four weeks. Um, and uh, especially their, their, their targeted demographic has gone up 12.3%. That's the 25 to 54-year-olds, uh, compared to Channel 9 going down 5.5% and 7 rising 1.7%, uh, which actually puts 9 into third place. Um, Channel 10 have uh, been uh, improving their figures through MasterChef, Merlin, Talking About Your Generation, Recruits and Bondi Rescue are the uh, popular ones. Are people watching Merlin? Apparently so, uh, I'm yeah. surprised. Yeah. Oh. Well, someone's got to. Right. I've been recording it and, and been meaning to have a look at it, but I uh, haven't yet had a chance. I watched the first episode. It was torture. John. Bananas and pyjamas. That's my segue. Bananas and pyjamas. 
um, uh, are being are being outsourced. There's, there's yeah, some concern. Um, the yeah, this is horrible. B one and B two. Well, they're going to be. Well, it's partly outsourced. Again, don't know what that means. Um, from the ABC to commercial production firm Southern Star Entertainment, according to the Age. Uh, and then the weird thing is that rather than being people in big life size costumes, they're going to be CGI. And so, yeah, big CGI series of bananas and pajamas. Um, and while all creative and conceptual work, in quotes there, will continue to be done in Australia, the ABC is not uh, denying that, in fact, some of it might move to Singapore. So possibly we're, we're going to let other people make our own programming for us. So, so we're going to be importing Singaporean bananas when we can grow perfectly good when bananas we can grow here in Australia. Good ones ourselves. Yes. So, so uh, the 3D animation is uh, going to be uh, um, sent over there for production. I assume, yeah, in a Korean style. And, and they're, they're kind of. saying that uh, this is to keep the, the kids of today, the young kids of today, uh, interested in bananas in pyjamas because they, they can't handle people just in banana suits yeah. anymore. They have to have specky 3D animation, the, uh, which the, I disagree with. The, I don't think so. And... And if they, they if they really want to get something specky in three D and and all computer generated, then come out with new characters. Don't destroy something that's been around on on TV as part of the culture for a long, long time. What, what struck me as odd, and it was yeah, you're at Tim Brook Hunt, the uh, head of ABC Three. Tim who? Uh, Tim Brook Hunt, the head of ABC Three. Uh, children's television station said the move to animation was quote designed specifically to appeal to today's generation of young children yeah, yeah. now the thing is like people in big costumes was already like a weirdly old fashioned idea when bananas pajamas started like you know in the, the mid 90s or whatever it wasn't like that was a cutting edge idea then it was already a bizarrely archaic thing to do and it obviously worked so why well it, why a, this as need? it worked for, for Johnson and Friends before it and, mm-hmm. and Teletubbies uh, after it and you know it's, yeah, why, why feel the need to, to bother like he's saying, just create some new CGI characters, and and there is, I think there is actually something quite relatable for for children too, uh, to seeing something that looks real, that is people in uh, in costumes as opposed to uh, just just computer animation. Mm. Also, when they appear in shopping centres, no disappointment. Yeah. Because yeah. they look exactly the same. Whereas whenever they had like you know, because I remember as a kid, whenever animated characters were put into big suits, always weird. Well. Yeah, have you have you ever seen those? Uh, like Bart Simpson is the same height as Homer Simpson when they're in those suits. That's wrong. <laughs> That's, uh, w- makes why? no sense. Because he should be tiny, right? It, it makes no <laughs> it sense. Be. Uh, speaking of things that make no sense, Foxtel have announced that they would like to uh, that they would like to go up for a uh, fourth digital TV network. Yeah, just thought you'd jump in there, Josh. Yeah, well, you know, you thought you'd uh, say the wrong story beforehand. No, 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 I, I intentionally changed that around because it was off the back of the Channel 9 thing that you were talking about. Anyway, go on. Anyway, hi. I'll, I'll stick in my bit after this. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Smooth, Brett. Smooth. So, yeah, uh, Foxtel's... I segue in mind and everything. Uh-huh. Really? Do you want to do that? No, go. go no, go, go with, go with go. your segue. We're breaking it now. No, go we're with your segue. No. I can't even remember what John was talking oh, about. Fine. So Foxtel's Kim Williams, uh, in a, uh, a talk to the National Press Club last Tuesday, uh, said that Canberra should allow for a fourth free-to-air network mm-hmm. and that why shouldn't Foxtel be allowed to bid for that free-to-air network as well? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and definitely there should be something and, and the uh, broadband rollout should uh, allow for, for more content as well. And uh, hang on, the, uh, the, the extra... Uh, the, 
the extra bandwidth that's not being used in the digital spectrum, why don't we just uh, auction that off like they did in the US and uh, and such, you know, so on and so forth. They uh, basically, the, the way I see this is he basically just got up there and went, you know what, if I was running things, we'd control everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we expecting much of a response to this Foxtel demand? Uh, no. Will they be just destroying any cities with their missiles if we don't? No, no. I think the... uh, I think uh, they don't. And uh, the giant lasers. And if Foxtel was everywhere all the time, uh, surely that wouldn't muddy the water with anti-siphoning uh, issues at all with the sports. And uh, it's on Foxtel, but Foxtel's free to air. Doesn't matter that it's on the subscription. Well, let's see. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be Foxtel. It would just be a Foxtel-owned fourth network. Yeah, yeah. I also get the feeling that uh, they wouldn't want to be pay- paying market price for uh, that that little license there for the fourth digital uh, broadcast license. No, there's just uh, the sense I get. It's uh, yeah, they're weird. Anyway, segue uh, that. Uh, <laughs> well, getting back to free to air, uh, Channel Seven are. Uh, I guess shelving, you'd say, putting 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 it off to the bench uh, for a bit of a rest. Uh, the Sunday night program. They're which, pulling uh, the curtain around and getting <laughs> the shotgun out, Brett. They're bringing up the the blinds. Um, Sunday night uh, is having a bit of a rest while Dancing with the Stars returns to our screens. Um, some are saying, well, the, the figures have gone down. Uh, in fact. Uh, Viewers weren't inspired with uh, Mike Munro getting getting a bit of a finger a digit, um, the finger test in his rectum while the camera took a close up of his grimacing face for a uh, for a uh, uh, thingo. What was he doing? Prostate, prostate exam. Prostate exam. Um, the audience uh, slumped to 1.1 mil, and uh, Channel 9's new random acts of kindness was at 1.4 mil. Um, also, Adam Boland's left. I hadn't heard that uh, that Adam Boland wasn't still there. Uh, now it's uh, in, uh, exclusively run by Mark Llewellyn. I'm not sure what you're laughing at. I'm laughing at the idea that people didn't think that sticking a finger up Mike Munro's anus was a random act of kindness. I, 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 I had the problem there were, there were too many possible jokes, and my brain just kind of started to shut down after a bit, going, I, I, there's too, too many options. See, I didn't think of any of those. I just did it as a straight story. <laughs> There you go. That's what the doctor said. Damn. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, had you heard that Adam Boland had left? Uh, no, not as much as I we've, cared. We've heard like, for a month or two that, that Sunday night's been in trouble. Well, it's only been around for a month or two. The, uh, the, the, the thing about Sunday night, though, is that they kind of they, – they just didn't get that hard-hitting concept – Right, and, and I mean the the concept was was messy for for a long time. It was messy uh, even before the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, so you know it's it's been a messy concept for for a long time, and then they also haven't really understood uh, what it is that makes sixty minutes the the good show that it is, which is they do have journalists who go out there and, and put themselves on the line. And stories about, you know, my husband is my aunt just isn't cutting it. The, the idea of, of a prostate examination being a kind of ratings grab, I just find <laughs> very bewildering in itself. But but you can't say that Mike Munro hasn't really committed himself to the, uh, to, to the show. He doesn't deserve a prostate check. Oh, oh, everyone deserves that. Gentlemen, if it's, if, if it's been a while, get yours checked. 
I, I'm, <laughs> I'm confused where we should go now. Uh, this is Brett, you, you go on with story, your... Brett. Yeah, yeah, tell us about uh, talent. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of uh, new uh, TV matter productions coming up and uh, a bit of a call out for contestants and talent. Uh, Channel 9 have uh, looked at the success that Channel 10 is experiencing with MasterChef and uh, figures that they should launch the great Aussie cook-off. Uh, which uh, I think is actually branded in the title with Coles. Uh, so they've they've got a website that goes along with that, colescookoff.com.au, who are saying, think you're Australia's greatest family of cooks. Well, here's your chance to prove it in the Coles Great Aussie Cook-Off, Australia's first competition to find our greatest family of cooks. Oh, that's, that sounds so much like the singing office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you can go to that website uh, if you are a family of cooks and uh, want to get in on that. Also, uh, ABC3 have uh, announced a bunch of shows and are looking for presenters for their kids' shows. Uh, are you a natural comedian? Do you own your style? Have you got what it takes to wow a crowd? And on and on it goes. Um, you can, can, can you go be replaced to, by 3D graphics? <laughs> you can go to abc.net.au slash me on three. Are you allowed to swear? Um, I'm sure you are if you're in a, um, d- I don't know. Have you guys heard of, uh, you know, the, uh, the up late, up late with Jules Holland? Jules Holland used to be a kids uh, TV show presenter in the UK. That's a Jamie Thixton, um, who is, is the, the UK rove. And Jules Holland, uh, eventually kind of got bored with doing the four o'clock afternoon kind of deal and, uh, came back from an ad, uh, at one point and said, come on, you groovy fucks, let's get on with this. And, uh, he, Got out of his uh, kids' presenting role. Oh, bless you, and got Holland. later. John John tried to do a segue then. No, no, actually, I meant that for real. I actually meant that Jamie Thixton again yeah, went, went on to be a, an adult star. But, but um, he was, but he, he's the UK equivalent of... Of, of Rove. And speaking of Rove, Rove McManus, uh, Tasma Walton, they got married this week in a secret ceremony on a beach in Broome in mm. Western Australia. Uh, this is from the Herald Sun Online. I'd just like to read this out as it appeared online. They were married yesterday and celebrated the day with a small group of close family and friends. Have you seen Rove and Tasman Broom? Got pics? Email them. Mobile pixel video. <laughs> MMS to 0403 Rove posted the following on his Twitter account a short time ago. Thanks for the messages, everyone. It was very happy. It was Tasma who proposed to Rove, having first asked her mother for her blessing. Did you ignore a tradition and propose to your husband, fiance? Share your story. <laughs> <laughs> share your I, it, it goes on like this. It's like every two lines. So they go, D- uh, have you read last two sentences? Why not SMSs? Um, <laughs> uh, Tasma wore a white vintage 1970s sundress. Rove wore no shoes, which just sounds like poetry. Um, and it mentions, of course, uh, that um, uh, Tasma Walton used to be play Constable Dash McKinley on Blue Healers. She's an actor and writer. Amongst her many projects is a role on Channel 7, City Homicide, and her first novel, Heartless, is, out due, uh, is due out this year. And then this is a bit that horrified me. She also has a role in Blessed, the new movie by AFI winner Anna Kokonos. Someone has given Anna Kokonos oh. money to make another movie. No! Did we learn nothing from Book of Revelation? Did we learn nothing? Did, did we learn nothing from... Uh, the the last series of uh, of oh, what was that what was that show Sentence and Kilda uh, Secret, Secret, Life, Secret of Life of Us I really think that Anna Kokonos they should have just invited to come round pile up two million dollars and set it on fire I think that would have been a, you know, a more <laughs> you know productive what? use I'd film that <laughs> and get and more that, enjoyment out of it yeah, yeah. That, that would be great uh, so from uh, from marriage so quickly to divorce uh, West Wing star Bradley Whitford and yes. uh, and his wife Jane Kaczmarek from Malcolm in the Middle, 
uh, have filed for divorce. I was really surprised. I had no idea that that those two were were married. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh no, no, they were like the uh, the greatest television couple ever. Yeah, no, and, uh, I hadn't put those together. three kids and uh, and filing for divorce. So and nineteen years or something out of that. Yeah, seventeen years. Yeah. Uh, both great actors, and uh, let's just hope that doesn't... Uh, We're not seeing much of either of them. Do you realise we could have reversed recently. those last two stories and actually ended on a positive note? Uh, sure. Could have, but just likes to finish on a down. I know. And that is the Box Cutters News. Box Cutters. No, that's creepy too. They're all creepy. <laughs> Why are they all creepy? That's, I think the creepy ones are the ones that I made, right. John. I was in my special place. That was actually my one. That was, was that your that one? That was when we were making themes in the very beginning, ah, almost four years ago now. It's a, yeah, it's a really old one. That really was when old. I was, had my very breakfast uh, morning voice on. <laughs> Box cutters, 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 cutters. Oh, you did that live. I thought it was an effect. <laughs> Oh, no, we, we didn't have effects then. Oh, uh, back in the no, days. No, 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 no effects. We were too poor for effects. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Sometimes anyway. we're just talking to a shoebox. Move it on, Canal. <laughs> we've got a guest in the studio. John, Woo-hoo! I don't know if you've noticed. Can you just stop talking? Because <laughs> we've got a guest in the studio. Genevieve Lemon, who uh, has appeared on uh, Australian television, including Sons and Daughters, The Young Doctors, Prisoner, Neighbours, Seven Deadly Sins, Always Greener. She has also, <laughs> just, just in case you're thinking all she does is, uh, is crap Australian television, uh, she, she, she has also won a Helpman Award, a Sydney Theatre Award, and a, a Green Room Award for her work in Billy Elliot. Now, those, those are real and, and verified awards. They're not like Logies. They don't just hand them out to anyone. <laughs> they only hand them out to the talented. Genevieve Lemon, thank you so much for joining us on Box Cutters. Thank you, Josh. I also have to point out, you've also been in uh, uh, films such as The Piano and Soft Fruit and other uh, award-winning Australian features. So now we've done that. Television! (laughs) (laughs) Crap television, as Josh said. Uh, And I love the way you began my list with um, Sons and Daughters. I did one episode. Yeah, but it was it was a pivotal episode. That was. (laughs) So was it. It I ran into Ian Ian Rawlings. Is that his name? Remember the sort of roundish guy that ended up on Neighbours? Ian. I'm sure it was Ian Rawlings, I think. Anyway. Everyone ended up on Neighbours. <laughs> Everybody did. What, started but, 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 but what, what did you do? What did you it do? was just one scene. I don't even know why my agent sent me for it. <laughs> she must have thought I was a big fat loser. Oh. And she sent me to do one scene on Sons and Daughters, are, are which you is still... pretty low. That's about as low as you can get. Yeah, can You're you... not still with that agent, are you? Actually, no, I'm not. Can, can you remember what it was? Because I was curious, um, when Scott Brennan was on, he could actually remember his first lines. Really? No, that wasn't my first TV gig. That was in The Young Doctors. And, do you remember? and I played a narcoleptic. <laughs> <laughs> a nar- narcoleptic nurse. Do you remember? Do you, no, no, do you remember The Young Doctors? I remember. Nurse, it. Really? I remember. Yeah, yeah. You, because you're they, not old enough. But they used to replay it at really? 11 o'clock in the morning on Channel 9. Did that have the theme? Yeah, I see that in my cabaret act. It's a great, it's a great theme. I I love Sons and Daughters though because it's it's you know in in the great history of Australian soaps, I think it's it's so bold to start a storyline with incest. Isn't it great? The Sons and Daughters came out of an incest sto- storyline. That was weird, though. The 70s, 70s Australian soap operas obsessed with incest. I read um, Andrew Bacardo's book about uh, and he just mentions constant incest storylines. I have this terrible really? feeling in the 70s we thought it was sexy. That is my oh, awful, yuck. awful thought that incest and rape lines are very Alec big. Alec Fowler is extremely sexy. And um, 
Peter Phelps, brother and sister, who didn't mm-hmm. know and fell in love. And that was the whole beginning of the series. Yeah, that's, that's right. so creepy. And then they forgot about that. Yeah, you know. and we moved on. Yeah. Yeah, quickly. Because it, it was also really about, bad clothes. It was hair. also about Melbourne and Sydney was as it? well. It's very much, there were, uh, there were people, there, there were scenes in Melbourne, scenes in Is Sydney, right? and uh, it was very much about people going between the two. Oh, I don't remember that. But they, I love that they're replaying it. Oh, are are they? They, well, they were a few months yeah, ago. Late, late at midnight on Thursday 7. nights. Yeah, oh, brilliant, and, excellent, and perfect after-show shenanigans. Do you get a royalty check when your episode is? Uh... <laughs> My episode, I have no idea, but I don't think so. The uh, so, so when it when it comes to television, because obviously when it comes to film, you're the go-to person for talent. It, it seems to be from from your list of of film and theatre. You're the go-to I, person. I don't for- think that go-to list is very, you know, it's not out there enough. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't think so. The thing I, I was thinking, though, is your characters are often in stage and film, they're, they're quite, they're often uh, fractured sort of characters. They're quite flawed and, and there's darkness to them. And yet the TV stuff, it often seems to be you're just given the kind of fluffy roles. I'm yeah. Like, is that right? Absolutely. Like- the, my, my three Grundy soaps were Young Doctors, then Prisoner, then Neighbours, and I played the same character in each one, which was, you know, the, the Colette man you know, left prisoner and so they put me in and Young Doctors was just dying on its ass, and they put me in and I loved it. It was so <laughs> fun. And then Neighbours was just like hideous. It was a black hole when I was in it. No one interesting was in it. Everyone was horrible. I hated the gig. It was awful. And now I watch it and I think, oh, it's, it's good again. You know, it's, it's a good show. How long were you so in Neighbours for? Six months. They sacked me. I've never been sacked either. And was that well, when Alan Dale was starting to get bitter about how oh, you guys were treated? I love Alan Dale. He's, a, he's so funny. He's, I lo- and I worked with him on Young Doctors as well. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, now he's, he's a big TV star in America. Yeah, he's oh, the. Yeah. Uh, Isn't he's, that amazing? He's the man you get when you can't afford Stephen Burkoff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is not a bad. It's, 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 it's a good thing. thing. It's yeah. a good. He's very good. I love Alan. He's a very dry, funny, funny man. So how did you get fired from Neighbours? I didn't get fired. Actually, you I, just I, said I didn't you get, did. I didn't you get said picked you up. Did. Which felt I did. I said it's the only job I ever got fired from. I didn't get picked up. So I had a six month with a six month option, and they called me in one day, and I'd been bitching my head off because they there were all these starlets in, and I seemed to be acting more as a drama coach than as an actor. And I actually went to the producers and said, "This, what are you doing? This is terrible. This is just not right. It's, I'm not paid to do this. I'm just paid to be an actor. And then shortly after that, they called me in and said, we're not picking up your contract. And I burst into tears and then left and, and got drunk and happy, so happy. Because <laughs> it was so the most horrible job I'd ever done. Did you get a, a, a good leaving scene? Or did you just no. sort of pop off and not come back? Oh, you know Lou Riley, Lou Carpenter. Lou Carpenter, I was his sister. And um, they did, had no idea what they wanted to do with my character. She was supposed to be, you know, comic relief and they had no idea how to write, you know, comedy. It was hideous. It was awful. And my husband came and took me off to Singapore or cane fields or something. Somewhere. Somewhere. Oh, the, the, the famous Singapore cane fields. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought the way in, in Neighbours, g- going to Brisbane is a euphemism for death. That's you know, right. It's like, I'm, I'm afraid she's you. moved to Queensland. <laughs> she can never come back. That's right. Well, that's it's, what happened to me. Only somewhat different result between me and Kylie when we left. Well, as, as, as One of us became a huge megastar, <laughs> and what did Kylie do again? Uh, who said yeah. as, yeah. as a segue to that, uh, in Home and Away, it was always moving to the city, except for 
one uh, one storyline in Home and Away when when I was uh, up in Sydney doing an, an attachment, and they were actually working out a storyline for uh, two of the two of the characters to move away and go to Always Greener. And they were going to live in always greener town. Uh. And then there were going to be characters in the second series of Did they mention uh, the actual greener. town of always greener town? Uh, I, I, you know, I can't remember what it was called. But, but they mentioned by name, though, the, the town that was named. In, like in, those cross-promoting yeah, yeah. American series. It's, it's oh exactly what God. was going to happen. Is that and right? Then, uh, and then Channel 7 decided not to take up Always Greener for another series. And that whole storyline just kind of meant nothing. Yeah, right. In the end. Yeah. Uh, but you were in Always Greener. I was. I was Antenny's best friend, and that was also a very big episode. <laughs> <laughs> my word, my TV career is glittering. I'm so glad to be talking to you about television. <laughs> I must admit, I, I was mildly embarrassed to ask you on the show, because, yeah, you really, you really do have an amazing body of work in theatre and film. But just not, not television. So I do crap television. It's my specialty. How, how do you pick every- them? How do you choose the roles? I, mean, I don't it- choose roles. I work for someone to ring me and say come and audition for this and I do and I never get anything (laughs) I'm such a big fat loser oh my god I'm so sorry to the listening public I do (laughs) apologise sorry I'm not you know Rebecca Gibney well (laughs) thank god (laughs) Genevieve Lemon this has been your burst of reality (laughs) thanks for joining yes thanks now that I'm unemployed I feel much better now Thank you. But the, but there's a, a thing there as well that Australian television, there just aren't the roles. No. There, there aren't the meaty roles that you've had in, in film and theatre. I tell you what, speaking of Always Greener, I might as well tell this story because I went for um, a nice role, which ended up going to a friend of mine. I just had a child and it was like a three-day-a-week gig. It would have been perfect and I was so, you know, counting on getting it. But if you recall early days of Always Greener, please, God, let me remember this person's name, an actor called Denise... Drysdale, Roberts. Denise Roberts, thank you. Well done. ...was cast in the show. And she was a large-ish woman who had lost a bit of weight. And I myself was have always been a large-ish woman and at that stage I think I hadn't lost any weight. (laughs) But anyway... The producer basically said to me, "We, it, in not so many words, we can't have two big women on the cast. It's only space enough for one at a time. That's not possible to have two largish women in an Australian town. Because that pe- wouldn't happen. People would what, get them confused, or I don't know. They don't know what to do with big women J- in John Australian Howard television. John Howard might eat them. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, uh, two big women and John Howard in the one town." Uh, and and so, what were they worried about having other other large men in the I don't in know. the town? I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to that when you look at uh, when do you watch much television? Is it a thing that you? I go through periods. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering what what sort of roles do you look at and go? That's something I'd really like to play. Like, have you seen any roles? You go, that would have been a great. One I'd to love live. to play someone who was smart because I always get dumb, gossipy if they need someone to drop something and, you know, be bending over just at the the doorway just as the doctor says to the nurse, I love you and I'm going to leave my wife, then that'll be me. I'll be the person who's picking up the thing and goes, oh, he said he was going to leave his wife and then goes off and tells everyone and the whole story's stuffed up because I got it wrong, you know. Mm -hmm. That's my character. She's always stupid. 
or on a diet. <laughs> and they're just really dull, predictable, boring characters. That's so sad. I'm so whinging about Australian television. All Saints is my favourite show. Still? I haven't watched it for a long time because I've been in Tharta for right. three years. <laughs> oh. So you been... haven't seen it since it oh. turned into Police no. Rescue slash No, and, but I did love Police uh, Rescue yeah, when but that was yeah. It's alive. changed so much. They're not doing it well. Because uh, when you would have last seen it three years ago, they would have just started with the uh, emergency room. Yeah, that's right. And, then, uh, and, and John Howard actually basically built that show up again with yeah. his excellent talent. Yeah. And uh and and then John Waters came on on board. Yep, I remember that. Uh, and uh and he did great work as uh, as as Mike Vlasic. Yeah. And then one day recently they decided, hang on a second, you know how it's about a hospital? Well what if it was about a hospital in, in a space. helicopter? Ah. <laughs> oh. And uh, and so they get John Waters' character to to set up this uh, what they call medical response unit, and uh, and and now it's just a piece of crap. Oh, like it's really, no. really terrible. And it's in trouble. Uh, the, the, the well, they're, they're cutting down. They're cutting down the, the the numbers of it. And this was for, for mine one of the best uh, Australian. Uh, television series definitely one of the best procedurals yeah. around and uh, and it's just been ruined yeah. it's a cheery show this week isn't it it is it is hi Genevieve moment <laughs> let's step back in time for one moment because we, we have glossed entirely over Prisoner in mm. which you played uh, Marlene Rabbit Warren from uh, 74 episodes apparently here mm. What do you remember of that? How did that gig come about? Most fun ever. That came directly off the back of being in uh, Young Doctors. And from Young Doctors, I went into a stage show called Steaming, which took me 12 months touring all around Australia. A naked stage show. And naked, skipping in the Rudy nudie (laughs) (laughs) with a skipping rope. Um, And that was so fun. And then I just went into the best, most fun television show ever. Which is weird because you know it's 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 well I don't want to say grim because obviously it's, it's also quite camp so it's grim and camp it's gramp what, was it um, <laughs> but but what made it fun to work on what was the the atmosphere like um, look just the girls and no everybody was fun everyone was fun on that show even when they were in a shockingly bad mood which often they were grumpy old women shockingly grumpy throwing things women it was I mean, it was an amazing show for you know uh, that many female characters yeah. with that much kind of you know of a role to play yeah um i don't remember the period you were in and i was watching clips on youtube one of which uh, has you having your head flushed in a toilet <laughs> and the other one um has you having a dream sequence i had no idea they did dream sequences oh, in prison no, do you I remember, remember that remember at all that. Um, apparently you, you're, you're in bed and suddenly, because uh, you're doing yeah, bad dream acting, and yeah. then it cuts to uh, you're sort of in this weird pantomime kind of makeup wearing a wedding dress and the wedding dress is being torn <sighs> off in sections. That's when I was getting married to a, to a male inmate. Uh, and, then, and, then, and then you wake up going, yeah, and you wake up going, oh, I've destroyed the wedding dress. And, and your, your cellmate goes, it's because you're too fat. And, and that's you where go. YouTube leaves me. So I, I have no idea. I don't think you need to see any more, John. That's, you've seen it all. Okay. Do you remember? So you don't remember that at all? I, I vaguely do now that you say it involved ripping up my wedding dress. I did get married in the prison grounds to a male inmate because there were three male prisoners put into the prison as you do. Just the three. <laughs> they were in protection but or something, they were, weren't they? For, for their own protection, and one of them was a rapist. But you do. You do put three <laughs> male prisoners 
uh, completely unsupervised and to roam they, the corridors of a female they, uh, prison. Did they, they end they up getting guns and, and holding a seat? <laughs> <laughs> the rapist must have raped at least 25 women as, while as he was do. in there, yeah. including <laughs> the nun. There was a nun at the time. So speaking of your deviant sexuality, there you go. Um, but my husband was a virgin and so was I. And we were both in prison and uh, we got married in prison and then we got transferred and we weren't even allowed to have one no- not even one night together. Oh, that's tragic. Oh, it that's was so tragic. tragic. It was tragic. What, what happened to your character? What, I'm always curious to know how people end. Uh, how he shows. was transferred. Um, Mash, who, who was played by Peter Bensley, was transferred back to some male prison. Oh, he was a poster basher. <laughs> That's why he was in prison. You know well, how to pick him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a virgin poofter basher. Um, <laughs> so he was transferred back to some male prison, and I was released. So I was able to go and sew things for him and send him bits of old cake or something. I don't know what I did, but I think we lived happily ever after because we were both pretty stupid. What was she in prison for? Accidental murder. <laughs> But well, she slipped and killed someone. I, I had Isn't that, that strictly that homos- uh, manslaughter? Strictly speaking, <gasps> yes. it would be. Yeah. Um, I, I remember having the scene in which you have to confess to another inmate what you did so the audience knows. <clears throat> Pardon me. It was Betty Bobbitt who played Jude, the um, American lesbian mm-hmm. character. Yes. And she was sitting on my bed and she is the funniest woman in the world. And I was telling... Her, my story in rehearsal and I said, you know, and me, me, me mates, you know, we were playing around and um, I was I was chucking rocks at a train and, and Betty said, your friends, your mates, chuck and rock. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, chuck and rock. Oh, that's what I was doing, chuck and rocks. And anyway, I, I killed someone on the train or the car or whatever it was, <laughs> smashed something and killed someone and, you know, as – the judge, as judges would do, that he put he put me in a maximum security prison. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's clearly for society's protection. That's right, <laughs> to, to protect them from someone as stupid <laughs> as my character, Rabbit Warren. <laughs> now, prisoner was quite massive internationally. Um, did you did you ever find yourself in situations overseas getting recognised and and kind of dealing with that? Well, um, you, you don't have to go overseas to meet the 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 English fans because they um, they come here and they save their wages from Tesco's and come here for two <laughs> weeks and go from Sydney to Melbourne to see prisoner actors in plays. That's oh, all. Wow. That's what they do. But it's only the, the type of English people that work at Tesco's. Exactly, yeah. and and. Um, I remember this guy who, you know, came to see me in a show and he said, oh, you know, I'm off to see Ellie Ballantyne. She's in Melbourne. I was at the Opera House. He came to see me. I'm off to see Ellie Ballantyne. She's doing something in, you know, Melbourne. So he was on the plane the next day. He said, but I'll be back. I'm coming back to see you again on Thursday night and then I'm flying out here on Friday. So he came to see the show again on the Thursday night and he said, can I meet you at the stage door and take some photos? And I said, yeah, sure. So I met him at stage three, he was wearing a big overcoat and he said, do you mind if I take my overcoat off because I've got my Wentworth Detention Centre <laughs> uniform underneath. <laughs> and he took his overcoat off and I got photos of him. He was dressed as a guard and I was, you know, probably wearing track pants and I probably looked like a prisoner actually. <laughs> so it was a perfect photo. 
And I still get mail from English fans of, of Prisoner and, and Neighbours, even though I did Neighbours 18 years ago. Can you use it at all? I know that, for example, actors who've been things like Doctor Who say that you can then do like convention circuits and audio plays and all sorts of stuff that kind of comes Some off people it. have. Some um, Val Lehman often gets parties of people from England to come out here and pay to you know have dinner with the stars. Oh. <laughs> you wouldn't. You wouldn't do that. I missed them all the time. There was one. Th- this year was the uh, thirty-year reunion of it of, of it starting. It started in seventy-nine. So um, there, there were a couple of reunions this year, which I which I missed because of Billy. So I, I didn't get to uh, to meet the English fans or Australian fans. <laughs> but but you did get to you know win a Green Room Award. I so. did instead. And a helpman and the. Uh and so, and so you are still uh, <laughs> kind of regularly in, in touch with the other cast? Um, Betty Bobbitt, yes. Maxine Clivengatis, who played um, Bobby, the one with the yep. hair. Yep. Um, and Maggie Dance, who was uh, – they're three of my best friends. Maggie was Bev the Beast. And she tried to kill me uh, with a razor blade, I think. And then she killed herself um, by injecting herself with the old – Empty syringe. Mm-hmm. You know how that's uh, supposed to kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the bloodstream. Yeah, it's it, it's amazing that with uh, with with that much access to bleach, <laughs> she choose the empty syringe. It does amaze me though. I, I can't imagine President being uh, even allowed to be made now, like a show with that many female cast members and not you know beach babes in in bikinis, yeah. but actually you know well, older and, Florentines and those sort of people, and that much overt lesbianism as well, and, and also mm. the violence and the kind of yeah, and a very bleak setting and yet massively popular. You know, yeah, it was, it was a hugely popular show. But, but is that because it looked really cheap and tacky at the time? Like I. I don't. I can't put myself it's back weird, there. It, it, I wonder too because if you watch it now, it's not harrowing, obviously, because no. we kind of, you know, we kind of see it's got a certain pantomime quality to it. Uh, whereas I wonder now if you're going to make it, it would just be so grim that that. Well, it would the, be did you see Bad Girls, oh, be... the English one? I saw the from a few that. years. That yeah. was fantastic. I loved it because Bad Girls was deliberately a, a prisoner. Was remake, it? Wasn't well, it? it's I, a great idea. Said... Why don't? Why doesn't someone do a, a fabulous prisoner? Like Oz, but, but it should be yeah, female Oz. It should be Ooh. still camp. It, they shouldn't go for the grit. I reckon they should go for the. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We're probably running out of time. You're going to hit me with a stick soon. But we before we go, bit. I needed to ask you because the show I had never heard of, um, and then I, I did a little bit of research after the beep. Now tell me what after the beep was one of my favourite comedy uh, scripts I'd ever seen. It was so funny. It was written by a um, an, a Melbourne writer called Julie Harris. So clever, so hilarious, and um, between the page and the stage, as they say, it um, it fell to bits. Even though people still do bring it up because they loved it and it had a lot of supporters, but it also premiered just after Frontline. Okay. So who wanted to watch an uh, Australian ABC comedy? You know, apart from Frontline, it, Frontline was so huge. It was like it was like Kath and Kim. It was so mega when it first started. Everybody was talking about so, it. and what, what, what was it about? After the beep? Yeah. It was just about a, a woman, her mother and her sister, and it was just the, a really ordinary woman trying to make through life with a bitch hell, from hell mother and, a, and a, an even worse sister. And, uh, and was it, I mean, was it a broad sort of um, audience laughter style sitcom or was it a single camera kind of... Realistic? Thing? No, it was three cameras, um, mm-hmm. a f- even a few OBs. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. It was very funny, and um, 
Yeah, something about the ABC house style mm-hmm. just wasn't going to lend itself to after the beep. I don't think because it certainly um it, it yeah just it, and I do love you. Um, it, it did make the but. list here from uh, Powerhouse Museum's exhibition of uh, great moments in Australian television, fifty six to two thousand and six. Yeah, in two thousand six, they they produced a list of what we watched. There was also a list at the end of what we didn't watch, <laughs> of what was considered to be the worst Australian television of all time. And after the beep, did make that um, oh. just a, with low budget ABC sitcom written next to it. And IMDb does say pathetic attempt at a sitcom by Australia's public broadcaster. Only four of the scheduled thirteen episodes were ever shown. Two excellent right. actors wasted in this travesty. That's what, a comment there. That's a user comment though. It's the only oh. comment on there though. Was that was that true though? Do you know, did it did it not go to air? Did the whole? I, I didn't remember that, but it, it's probably true. If someone said it, I guess on the internet because it's bound to be true. If someone it, well, said that's it on the true. internet, that's true. <laughs> Some random crazy person said it on the internet. It's bound. Yeah, to be true. but um, you know, there's something about that new uh, um digital ABC channel that makes me think maybe we'll get to see all this stuff that was pulled after two or three episodes, and maybe some of it, you know, will capture our. It'd be nice for... It's so terribly sad, as you know, when you put in a lot of effort. Actually, I just mixed up a whole story because it wasn't after the beep. It was Three Men and a Baby Grand that we shot that opened just after Frontline. And Three Men and a Baby Grand, likewise, was was a show which never found an audience. But you put so much love and effort into something Mm -hmm. and you want people to love it and they don't love it. And you think, oh, maybe if it was a different time, maybe if they were in a different headspace, they would Maybe if it wasn't three men in a baby (laughs) ground. Thanks, Josh. Do you go back back and watch your shows uh, later? I mean, do you watch your own performances? No, but when I was in England a few years ago, my friend who was in the show said, I've got some prisoner, let's watch it. And we were so excited and we all got a glass of wine, sat down. And when it came on, I was so embarrassed. I was terrible. I was so terrible. I'm not just saying that. I mean, I was truly awful, like in the worst, most awful way you could imagine. That's how bad I was. And I like walked in and I was talking like this and I was like, what did I think I was doing? <laughs> that it was, was horrible. That was the prisoner that style, was the house style though. Surely. It was. But man, I was bad. And that's, that's pretty much just how everybody in Nunawading spoke at that point. <laughs> Don't believe that's true, Brett. So However, of, you may be right. If you I, write it on the internet, I'll believe it. It, it is, you know, even even back in the uh, the early early nineteen hundreds, uh, that is that is how they spoke, especially in Carson's Law. <laughs> well, I wasn't in that, but if I had been, rest assured, someone would have spoken like that in Carson's Law, because that is obviously the way I act in television. I'm not good. That's why we have. <laughs> list to refer to. I'm obviously crap at television. But you're great at theatre and film. I think I'm good at theatre. I think I'm pretty crap on film as well. What, why are you a great soft fruit? I thought you were brilliant. But what's Thank the, you. What's the difference? I mean, obviously, theatre, you've got the... Uh, You've got the audience bouncing off you uh, at, at the same time as, as as your acting, so you've got that instant recognition of "Am I doing this well?" But uh, other than that, I've, I think film and television would be quite quite difficult uh, be, because you've got to uh, you basically have to pretend for an audience that's going to be there later. Yeah, yeah, and also I think speaking personally. And I'm not just being funny, but if I got more of it, if I got more film and TV work, I feel like I would get better at it. 
But it's hard. <laughs> Shut well, up. It's just, it's just you, you've had this career of 30 years and you're sitting here going, do you know what? I could maybe get the hang of this. <laughs> I don't think I'm very good at it. But Honestly, someone obviously I does. I would give me a job. I would not fast cast me in a TV show. Can I, I'm shocking. Can I just say, Jenny, don't start an audition with that. <laughs> You know, I just did an audition workshop. I drove from Paran in, in an audition workshop and came here. What do you do in an audition workshop? Tell people how to audition. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them how they should present very confidently and, you know. I'm not very good. <laughs> Honestly, why don't we just skip this audition because I'm obviously not going to get this job. And you're right. I shouldn't get it. I'm just turning up to humour my agent. Just, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I should just play old episodes and after the beat and call that my audition. <laughs> or prisoner. Genevieve Lerman, I could, I, could, I could do this all day. I could, but we, we are out of time. Thanks so much for joining us on Box Cutters and, and, and please come back. <laughs> Thank uh, you, Josh. Just wonderful. Well. Thank you. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, John. Thanks. Hi, I'm really lucky to be the guest of these funny, gorgeous, sexy, hunky men. This is Peter Moon, and you're listening to Box Cutters. <laughs> Let me do that again. <laughs> no, Peter. No, we'll you go had with your that chance. Yep. You, you had your chance. Eastbound and Down is a, uh, a, a show that, uh, as far as I can tell, has come out of the Funny or Die website, which is uh, Will, Will Ferrell's... Uh, Humor is involved website. with it. Uh, kind of part owns it. So the production company, Dirty Sanchez or whatever it's called, so Juan Sanchez, uh, own part of Funny or Die. Yes. Yep. So uh, it, it stars uh, Danny McBride as Kenny Powers. He was a relief pitcher in uh, in Major League Baseball who uh, came on one day and just wowed everybody with his pitching skills. Became the hottest pitcher in the world. Uh, everybody wanted a piece of him. Had a catchphrase. He had a catchphrase, but he was an asshole, and he uh, basically let his talent go, and his 100-mile-per-hour pitch slowly started going down and down and down until it was in the uh, 80s and 70s, which is just not fast enough at all for Major League Baseball. So he packs all his belongings into his car and heads off back to his hometown to try to make something of himself again that's uh that's basically the the story of eastbound down he he looks up his uh his his high school sweetheart he moves in with his brother and his family who you know the wife doesn't like him you know there's there's all that kind of fairly uh obvious setup in, of the uh, returning hero. Of the of. returning yep. hero. And he also becomes a, a teacher. And, which is and, amazing as well. And he becomes a teacher at the local high school. And we've got uh, a little bit of this. And I think it's very hard to describe the show, but I think this clip will give you a, a great understanding of what you can expect from Eastbound and Down. What's up? I'm Kenny Powers. I'm gonna be your new PE teacher until Coach Booth's back is fixed. Yeah, I'm famous, la-di-da, big fucking deal. Now, this time, I'd like to field any questions anybody has. This is the time to do it. You, big kid, 
Do we have to run the mile? I'm talking about me. I want these are questions about me personally as a superstar. You know, you got this moment in time here with an American icon. You're going to waste it asking a question about the fucking mile. Who's next? Who's got something else for me here? You. He did steroids. Did it make your balls shrink? <laughs> oh, you think that's funny? How about I show my balls right here, and you can tell me if they shrunk, huh? No, for your information, I have full-size balls. <laughs> Next question. Is it true you were in jail? Nah, babe, rehab. Did you hurt yourself? <laughs> nah, I didn't hurt myself. Cause Coach Boo said after his back surgery, he has to go to rehab. Oh, okay. Yeah, I hurt myself. I hurt my nose. <laughs> All right, got time for one more. Timid kid. My dad said you ruined baseball. You know what? I can already tell that I don't like you. And I'm probably not going to like you, no matter how many pull-ups or push-ups you do. Or anybody wants to pick on anybody in class, aim for him, because I ain't watching. I love this show. I, I, thought, I thought it was absolutely hilarious. I think the, the, the character of Kenny Powers is uh, so horribly arrogant and flawed. And just has he has full of himself. Like he, he has no idea how much of a loser he actually is, except that he does have kind of an inkling of the idea, and he's trying to just cling on to what little glory he did have in his life. Uh, I uh, I devoured this show and uh, and and thought it was just it, it was superb. You know, he, Kenny Powers has uh, he he did a, a tape, a series of tapes. Of him giving motivational advice, speak. motivational speaking, yeah. basically with stories from his life. Uh, and when he's driving in his car, he plays those tapes to himself to motivate himself. He's, uh, he's, he's trying to get back into pitching. He's trying to get his, uh, his mojo back for, uh, for, for being a major league pitcher. And uh, it's only like six or seven episodes of... Uh, six episodes. Six episodes yep. of Eastbound and Down. I think... Absolutely hilarious. I, I I loved them. For a counterpoint, John Richards. Yeah, no, I mean, I was going to ask you, because I, I honestly, genuinely, this this was the anti-comedy to me. I, I, I found this incredibly hard to get through because, and this is my question, A, why is it funny? But B, why would I care about about Kenny Powers? Like, why do I want to watch him for more than 10 minutes? Like, as, as a one-off five-minute sketch, maybe, but why why do I care enough to want to watch three episodes if I wasn't having to review it for a podcast <laughs> because at home with my partner we managed to get through 10 minutes we switched it off really? and then I forced myself to watch the rest of it at work and just yeah kind of agony I mean we've established I don't like things comedy yeah, well, yeah, yeah, like, yeah comedy. I hate comedy no they're asshole characters I don't find them charming I just find them assholes but again I mean Kenny doesn't change from episode to episode nothing happens why why would I care why do I want to watch this what the, the, I think that that's uh, kind of the the reason why it's not completely out and out kind of intolerable is that um, he really gets the payback for for being an asshole. Like it's not an asshole who gets away with it, and because of that, there's a lot there's a lot of pathos with the character and and what he has to deal with it. It's not an out and out kind of gut busting, laughing out loud kind of comedy. I, I mean, oh, it, 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 it was for me. I, I, I actually, remember watching I, I an episode once. on a train in the US. I laughed once I wrote it down because oh. because it's the only laugh I got in three episodes. I actually thought I should write that down. What it was it? Like again. It's uh, Dustin, I know it's our Christ-given duty to help out family, but can't we just kill him instead? 
uh, it's it's Kenny's sister-in-law says that line. That's the only line I laughed at because by that point I was just thinking, why don't they just kill him? And then she said it out loud. That is my, also, yeah, I found him arrogant. I didn't see he was he wasn't developing or moving or changing or or and I didn't. But, find but his he, comeuppance was enough to really care about. And then the other characters around him are also pathetic. That I got really angry going, why isn't the brother and wife chucking him out? And I think they give him a line of the Christ-given bit to kind of imply. They're Christian. Yeah, why, why wasn't the teacher firing him? I couldn't work out why he was still working at the school in episode three going, but he would be fired by now. And... Yeah, I don't know. I just had a real problem. Yeah, teacher well, in a Bible Belt school wouldn't be able to use that language. Well, exactly. Just for the, for the language alone, they Except would have picked his, him out. Except his local man made good. Mm-hmm. Right, so he's, a, he's a, a hometown boy who's made good, and people want a piece of him. Everybody wants a piece of him, but then he's also there to be exploited. And I think we, we see that in episode two with, uh, with the, the BMW dealership uh, basically getting Kenny Powers to do a, a signing. And uh, and only paying him two hundred bucks for it, and then screwing him on and that, then, and then sc- screwing him out with with that. And uh, at the same time, there, there are people who will regard these people as heroes, no matter what they do. I mean, there are, there are people who still think of Mike Tyson as a hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there are people who, I mean, in baseball, you've got uh, you've got people who have admitted to using steroids and they're still playing and they're still allowed to play. Uh, And this is, I think this is, uh, you you know, one of the things that gets me about Eastbound and Down is how much it's saying uh, to America, you you know what, you think this is funny, but it's also what you do. But did you think anything actually happened over the three episodes? Because it felt to me it was just the same episode over and over again. Like it didn't seem anybody was changing anything. Like, I tell you could have put the three episodes in any order, and it wouldn't have made any difference, because nothing kind of happened. Yeah, definitely. There was was a definite story. I I, I can't remember specifically where my head was after three eps, because I I just kept on going and finished the entire season. Um, But yeah, there's there's definitely development through there. I mean, he does does make a, a conscious decision to get back into pitching and get back... In shape. That, and, that's and in episode three, though, at about halfway through. I kind of, yeah, I, I think my problem was I kept assuming it was going to be like, yeah, the first five, ten minutes would set up he was an asshole, and then he'd do something that would be interesting and would set up the hook for the series, and nothing kind of happened. And I kept thinking, well, you've got um, My Name is Earl. The idea was meant to be that he was a jerk who, who then decided to go back and fix his life, and that's, that's the premise, which I thought was kind of an interesting thing. And you've got, um, actually, was it Mark and Sharon? Was that what it yeah. was called? It, it just reminded me of that too. Where you're going, well, who cares? You're just a jerk. I don't, I don't care. And yeah, I don't know. I was just, I liked the color grading because <laughs> <laughs> I do try and find something I like in each of these. I, I thought it was interesting how each episode starts off at exactly the same point the previous episode ended. I thought that was kind of interesting that it's effectively a, you know, a three-hour movie in six episodes, um, and and the color grading was nice. See, I, I and I, I thought it was uh, hilarious. I think. Uh, I think Kenny Powers is a really funny character. I think Danny McBride does a, a great job. It's so weird because I, I can't see anything humorous in the character. And it says, it's, it's so weird because I, I did get to the point of going, okay, I, I, I've looked online and other people do like this. It, it's got some fans and I mm. can't for the life of me work out why. I just but can't see what I meant to laugh. Don't you know people like that? Don't you know people who... If uh, I did, I'd choose not to know them anymore. That's the thing. I, I would, if I was, yeah, I'd, I'd get away from those people as yeah, fast but, as no, I No, but don't, don't you recognise that as, uh, you know, the, the things he does uh 
there's there's this great scene in episode two where uh, he is, uh, you know, tr- trying to do a pitch in front of his uh, nephews, and uh, every time he says something, it's contradicted by the nephews, and then he changes his story. So it's it's a whole lot of yeah, I meant to do that, or yeah, that's exactly why I did that because you don't like that uh, bird that, bath that and bird bath and things like that. I know people like that, and you know I don't necessarily like them, but I love to see them taken to that extreme, and uh, and I recognise that I recognise that as people I'm aware of. And uh, and I I, don't, I just think it's really funny. I guess I just had that thing that was like halfway through the first episode going, actually, I wouldn't want to spend time with any of these people. You know, like none of the characters have any appeal to me whatsoever. So the idea of why am I still spending time with them was kind of, yeah. And by episode three going, I'm still with them. No one's changed. Nothing's happening. So it's just your phobia about uh, white trash. Yeah. Well, I don't know if they're funny white trash. I do like My Name is Earl. I actually think that that kind of works. You know, because I find those characters actually quite endearing. Even even like the you know, the stupid brother one, I, I still find you know the well, same thing. Earl and Randy are cool. What about uh, Joy? Because like, she's like really overbearing. And she's the the ex girlfriend. Yeah, 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 no, I actually find yeah, I find it actually it's funny because my name is Earl. I find there are elements in the characters I can find endearing I, enough. I think I've probably had more frustration with her character through My Name Is Earl than than with uh, this show. Okay. I mean, I, I'm also in the. I never sat down to watch three episodes. of My name is Earl in a row, so it could be it could be that as well. But um, yeah, it could not get into this at all. It was a, it was an impenetrable wall of comedy. Well, I I loved it, and I actually thought it was a little bit of genius. Right. So uh, you know, and Will Ferrell is uh, actually appears in the series um, and doesn't play an out and out comedy comic role. Like uh, it, well, he's he's a bit of a a, a tool stereotype kind of it's a, kind it's of thing, sh- but he's he's not in there it's making a the gags. Role, but every single character, except for the kids, but even the kids, uh, when when you think about it, every single character is a little bit pathetic. Oh, they all are. Show. Yeah, which I, I and I, I uh, found incredibly frustrating. Going, why won't someone grow a backbone and tell Kenny what's going on? Like everyone's sort of because it's 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 like life. Mm-hmm. In life, people wouldn't, in television, people would uh, no, but in, would in, say Kenny, you know. But in real life, Kenny would have been fired from the school, and the sister-in-law would have had him chucked out of the house. That, yeah, that would have happened by the end of episode one. Whereas in small the, town America, yeah, maybe well, not. definitely the school, definitely the school. He wouldn't be allowed to keep teaching after the stuff he was doing. I don't know. He's Kenny Powers. Mm. Mm. Anyway, John, I say you're fucking out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question three. Which can I- all these going to be about war? No. I got loads of. I got one on tennis. One on the Suez Canal. Loads. Okay. Question three: Which canal links the Mediterranean with the Red Sea? There were no correct answers to last week's quiz question. No, no. What's wrong with y'all? So uh, we're gonna we're gonna play it again and uh, carry over the prize. Mm Mm-hmm. You you playing it? Goes a little something like this. That's so good. Maybe people just wanted to hear it again, so they deliberately didn't enter. Why wouldn't they just rewind on the podcast? Oh, because their rewind was busted. Oh. Yeah. I used to have a tape deck like that in my car. That's how the internet works now. So you'd have to pull it out and fast forward it on the other side? Yeah. And you can't do that with podcasts? No. I've tried pulling podcasts out of my iPod. Ended up a bit like Mike Munro. Yeah. (laughs) 
grimacing. That is a fabulous anyway, piece of music. So that's the, that's the thing. Tell us what show that is the theme to, and you can win yourself a prize from the wonderful people at Crumpler, who you can find on the web at crumpler.com.au. They give us stuff to give to you, the listener. So email us, hooray at boxcutters.net, or send us a text to 0458. Cutter with your answer. What is that the theme to? We're running out of time, John Richards. I would watch Being Human, except we've already watched it, of course, with box cutters, but it's now playing on ABC2. I don't have the details here because I left them somewhere else. I think it's Friday, Friday night, night, 9.20, uh, off the top of my head. Or 9.40. Something like that. Yeah. 9.30-ish, ABC2, Friday Check night. Check your local guides. Uh, I would be watching Recruits on what? Channel 10 on Monday night at 8 o'clock. Is that gay porn? You're insane. No, no, it's not. It's a really good reality series about gay porn uh gay porn no about uh, new police officers and uh and them going through the police academy and or college as they call it in sydney and uh and then kind of their their first gay porn? short while on on the streets no gay porn involved okay. but really really uh i, I found it really interesting I, I watched it last week really good ah Excellent. Um, I, I I was uh, tied up on the footy ground, and so I didn't get to right. So if, find the if you one watch, if you watch one thing, uh, as far as Brett's concerned, there's a video of him tied up somewhere. What? Is that gay porn? <laughs> no, stop bringing it back to the gay porn, Josh Canal. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters, pod, cast, done. Pork is on the table. Sometimes the truth hurts. Yeah, you should stop bringing back to gay porn, Josh Cannell. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take about two minutes. I decided to do this. Earlier in the interview with Jen, I mentioned that... Uh, the oh, power- Jen. With Jen. Oh. Yeah, we're like that. Oh. The Powerhouse Museum in Sydney had an exhibition uh, called On the Box, Great Moments at Australian Television back in 2006 to celebrate 50 years of Australian television. There was a uh, online, I found a document, they listed all the things that were very popular. Then at the end, they listed the things that weren't with what we didn't watch. And I've got a list here of, of what the powerhouse put down as being the least successful Australian series. Go on, take a guess. Take some guesses. You uh, boys are bound to come up with some of them. Oh, Bingles. Bingles is on there. Well done. Uh, Bingles, 1983, panel beta sitcom with Shane Bourne lasted 13 episodes. Uh, newlyweds. Um, I don't know if Newlyweds is on there, but Wedlocked definitely is. Oh, wed- yeah. 94 sitcom produced by Steve Weizard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's also just before the Bob Morrison show, 94 family sitcom with a dog as the hero, which of course you I'm remember. I'm sure that heaps of people watch that. Well, you remember Andy Anderson was, uh, of course, in that, who was a, yes. a, a and, former guest. Yes, uh, and former fourth box cutter, Mary Cardi, did some writing on that, didn't she? Did she? Yeah, she, she did some writing on yeah. it. We got After yeah. the Beep there, um, just in that mid-90s period, Alan Jones Live. Oh, I have yes. no memory of that. Yes, that was uh, that was 1994. I was 94. Well done. Um, there's a, a, a beautiful bit over here, which is quite terrifying to see these three words together: Genie, Little, and Sitcom. <gasps> uh, Cookie on the Nest, 1978. Genie, Little, Sitcom Thanks. lasted four episodes. Um, oh, I quite like this little bit, of, little bit of Melbourne bashing from the Sydney organisation. Holiday Island, 1981, set in a tropical island, filmed in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, uh, uh, 
Channel 10, oh, the Nunawani Studios up until recently did still have uh, some sets from uh, Holiday Island just in the courtyard. Oh, it also mentioned, um, uh, actually, I think it's Holiday Island, the swimming pool got redeveloped. Swimming pool from one of these got redeveloped into a part of the neighbour's set. Does it, uh, what about the uh, Daryl Simons show? Does that, um, uh, does that rate a mention? Doesn't seem to be. This is Dog's Head Bay. That's oh. there. Um, oh, Dog's Head mm-hmm. Bay. A bunch of panel rip-offs get mentioned, most of which I'd never heard of before. Um, hey uh, You. Vulture. Oh, the, cha- the chat room. Well, the chat room is on there. Um, hey You, 1967, odd couple style sitcom written by John Michael Hausen. <gasps> wow. that sound great? Uh, the Spoiler. But I can't tell you what that's about. <laughs> hey. hey, that's from 1972. Uh, Tourist Rising, 1982. Local attempt at a lavish dynasty-style t- soap with a title nobody understood. Uh, the National. Do you remember The National? The ABC's attempt to go for a, a glamorous one-hour... Uh, no, no one remembers no, The no. National except me. Oh, oh, what about the Oz game? Is the Oz game on there? Oh, if it isn't, it, it so should be. Um, uh, I can't see it. That, that, uh, that was skirt, the way- Super quiz... Uh, family Double Dare, Family Business, Willing and Able. Oh, I remember that. Oh, yeah, that was that, that yeah, was all right. That was watched. Yeah, it wasn't. What good, the though. hell is this list? It's full of crap. Well, uh, yeah, I think he's saying it was it was a crap show though. It was a terrible, terrible program. Ab- I, th- oh, yeah, yeah. I think the quality aspect is probably more what they're after here than necessarily. Wasn't that wasn't know. that with uh, the the Simon and and what's his face from uh, Country from Practice? Country Practice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, that was a great show. That was a terrible show. Uh, no, the these people tasted in their asses. The Fast Lane was a great show, which was effectively you know what Willing and Abel was a terrible ripoff of. The Fast Lane had been on the ABC about two years earlier. It was a very good series. Yeah. Oh but, yeah, the um, ABC does everything. Right. It had Ron uh, Blanchard in it. Remember ABC. Ron Blanchard? And then, 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 then. Anyway, that brings us to the end. A fascinating list. We'll put it up on brings the blog. Brings us to the end of Box episode yeah, one hundred and eighty-seven. They're, they're wrong. Remember, I want to thank Genevieve Lemon for coming to the studio and making us all laugh so much. She yeah. was excellent. Thanks so much, Genevieve. Well, last man standing's on here as well. That was Marie Cardi as well. Until See, next wrong, wrong. No, you, you keep going. Until don't, next don't week. Mind us. It's making me angry. My name is Josh. Did Canal. you love Aussie Queer Eye? Did you love that one? The God no. That's John Richards. Uh, I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time. Same bat channel. Maybe a little bit later. What is Kings on there? And hey, let's be careful out there. Yeah, I think Kings is on here. Box Cutters thanks 3RRI, whose studios we use to record this podcast pretty much each and every week. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you're in the Melbourne metro area. Crumpler provide us with our giveaways and you can learn more about their bags, wallets and pouches at crumpler.com.au. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go onto the iTunes Music Store or anywhere else you find us and leave a review. It will help other people find box cutters and then they can enjoy it too. Help support box cutters by wearing one of our wonderful t-shirts available at redbubble.com slash people slash box cutters. You can also now buy the DVDs and books we talk about at the You Do Buy It US and UK stores. Just follow the links on the blog and let the entertainment come to you. You can help make each episode last all week long by leaving comments on the blog at boxcutters.net. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net through the Talk To Us link on the blog or via SMS on 0458 288 837. That's 0458 Cutter. Pacific Drive, 1995 Glam Soap. Echo Point, 1995 Sudden Surf Soap Took On Home and Away and Failed. 
I Do, I Do, 1996, ahead of its time reality game show where the winning couple was married at the end of the program. Hosted by Lisa Trinnell. Is Surprise Wedding on there? Uh, surprise Wedding, uh, no. That was an outrageous show. That was, that was, <laughs> God. I do like Greed, 2001, complicated quiz show with Kerry Ann Kennelly. Yes. <laughs> what about Shafted? Shafted. Shafted I enjoyed. I thought it was better than uh, than the contest. What, what about that Richard Wilkins one with the where you had to guess the musical notes? <laughs> Are you making that up? Oh, right yes. Now? No, no, no. Yeah, that was, that was Worst fashion. Sometimes sometimes you'll see it uh, late night, the repeats. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, it was called Keynotes. Yes. It was called Keynotes. And I remember being in, uh, in, in the UK uh, in 1989 and seeing Keynotes and going, oh, this show is terrible. At least they'll never make it in Australia. Mm. And then like five or six years later, oh, they made it with Richard Wilkins. Mm. I so want to see that. I've got such a bad taste in my mouth. we got to go. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.